Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is Wednesday. I'm pretty sure. Paul Perot, is it Wednesday? As my mom would say, yes, it's Wednesday all day. <laughs> good morning. I'm Carmen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is the Faith Radio Network. Um, that melodious voice was Paul Perot. He's the producer of this show. He pushes all the buttons and makes it melodious. all happen. You can, yeah, melodious. You can. Mm-hmm. Did you feel? Do you feel good about having a melodious voice this morning, Paul? Uh, I guess so. I mean. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Okay, go. <laughs> We're going to um, turn our attention to the voice of the Lord uh, as we hear the word of God, um, allow God to speak to us through that which he has already spoken uh, in the word made flesh, Jesus, and in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. So where in the word are you today? You can always text us during the show, 877 Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day is actually one of the most well-known and often quoted verses in the entire Bible. It comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 38. If you're looking for a verse to absolutely knit into your heart and mind to give you encouragement, this is a really good one. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. So I'll ask you this morning, do you know? Do you know that you know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Um, Come what may, are you convinced, persuaded, assured, certain, satisfied that nothing, and I do mean nothing, and no one can ever, and I do mean ever, never ever, are you convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that nothing and no one can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? If you are in Christ, you belong to Christ and he belongs to you. There is no tearing the two of you apart. That is not a cell that can be divided. There is nothing that is going to, from the outside, tear you know tear apart the body of believers like it's just not going to happen those who belong to Christ also belong to one another we are one we are one in the spirit we're one in the lord in life and in death we who belong to god also belong to one another as fellow christians so in the same way that there is, that i'm convinced that nothing is going to separate me from the love of god in christ jesus i am also convinced that there is nothing and no one that can separate me from you. If you belong to God in Christ, there is nothing and no one in all time, in all creation, that can separate the two of us. Because those who are in Christ are one of a kind. Like we are literally one of the same kind, knit together in Christ. 
as members of his body. So you might consider the variety of threats that Paul offers um, in this list, life and death, like right, that covers it all, right? Um, people, principalities, powers, none, none of it, none of it. The power that binds us is like the superest of super glue. There's no breaking the bond. Um, as I was thinking about this this morning, the hymn that God brought to mind is A Mighty Fortress is Our God by Martin Luther. The whole hymn is great, but the verse that like really pounded in my heart and mind as I was praying this morning for you and then um, over the concerns of the day, um, this verse came to mind. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness, grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. And what is that word, you wonder? Jesus. Jesus. The one who is the word made flesh to dwell among us and in whom we now live and move and find our being. A Mighty Fortress is Our God, the hymn by Martin Luther, continues, that word, capital W, that word, Jesus, the one who is the word, that word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindreds go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And I recognize that Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, is based on Psalm 46, but it reflects the faith that Paul attests to in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, in the verse before us today. Look at the five questions that Paul raises in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans and spend some time today answering each one. Because in the answer to each one, you will find assurance and hope and confidence and Christ, and one another. So believe it or not, it is the truth. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I hope you believe it. I certainly do. Our friend Daryl Crouch is going to join us next. We're going to talk about the complexity of things and try to not only gain a kingdom perspective on the things of the day, but talk about how we can make a kingdom impact in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, our friend Daryl Crouch. He is a pastor. He heads up an organization called Everyone's Wilson. You should check it out, everyoneswilson.org. If you've been wondering to yourself, how um, how can I get together with other Christians across lots of vocations and, um, and, and across lots of maybe pillars of influence in my community, across government and school and community organizations and churches um, and businesses, how can I, you know, draw folks together toward a common cause? That's what everyone, everyone's Wilson is up to. They are uniting the church to engage the community so everyone thrives. Um, I want to encourage you to check it out and be inspired by it and maybe replicate it where you are, everyoneswilson.org. Daryl, good morning. Well, good morning, Carmen. How are you doing? I am well. I hope you are well as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing great. 
Good. So fishing, let's talk about fishing. Um, let's talk about strategies for fishing, why we fish, who we are as fishers of men, and the advice you received early on in ministry. Put every hook in the water that you can, and you will catch more fish. Yeah, that's a little anecdotal um, thing that I think was pretty common, uh, you know, when I was coming into ministry, that, um, you know, we there's all kinds of fish out there, all kinds of people, and uh, your church should really do as much as possible to uh, reach as many people as possible. And so um, putting as many different hooks in the water, so to speak, uh, that uh, would 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 appeal to a, as wide of an audience as possible and do as much as you can to reach as many people as you can. It's a super the 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 motives are very well meaning. I mean we we care about our neighbors and we want to reach all of them for Christ. But in local church ministry, what we found pretty pretty quickly is that every hook takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of volunteer resources, a lot of money. Um, we only have so many hours in a day and so many days in a week. And uh, so we found ourselves just overwhelmed uh, with um, trying to manage all of those hooks and um, you can't staff, really, you can't hire enough people, as you can imagine, for all the hooks that you need to put in the water. You can't train enough volunteers for every hook you want to put in the water. And so um, church uh, ministry then becomes very complicated and um, and very overwhelming. It's what we called back in the day, Carmen, which you know is that it's kind of an attractional model for mm-hmm. church ministry and um, just offer as many attractions as possible. You'll attract more people and um, have a bigger church. And so, um, you know, that, again, everybody wants a bigger church. Everybody wants to reach more people. But it's a model that um, I think first is not a biblical. I, I don't think that's what Jesus uh, called us or asked us to do, but it's also just not sustainable. And so now we find many churches uh, tried to build their ministry on that, finding their pastors are burnt out or um, them, uh, distracted from the gospel mission somehow as a church, um, doing a lot of things. Uh, when when Jesus' people get together, there's we can do a lot of really great things, but we really need to ask ourselves what we're best at and what God's called us to do. So let's talk about moving from, um, you know, like an attractional model, which, by the way, in youth ministry, because you weren't a woman in youth ministry, you don't know that part of this mm-hmm. conversation always um, always went in the direction of, okay, because the attractional model, right, like, right, um, mm-hmm. you can't use women as bait in your attractional yeah. model, even though we sometimes joke about the fact that a lot of men ended up in church because there was a good-looking girl um, sure. who they followed there, right? But when we start talking about the attractional model and we start acting as if um, individual people should be attracting other people in that way um, Mm -hmm. to the church. One of the conversations that I think of necessity has to happen, and it needs to happen today as well. This is a little off off track, but um, women can't dress like bait. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just, like, we have to, I mean, you can't probably say that out loud, but I totally can. And so when we talk about being fishers of men and we talk about, um, being winsome and we talk about being people who don't unnecessarily put people off. Um, 
we also recognize that there's a responsibility to represent Christ in a way that actually honors him and doesn't dishonor him in any way. Um, the attractional model also, Daryl, just in my observation, doesn't actually develop deep disciples um, who who have enough life on life with a mature disciple that they can then in turn replicate another disciple. So we got to go from like a get as many as you can through the door um, to maybe like an each one be prepared to reach one and teach one that one might be replicated that that one might go and replicate another one like right it's an intensely deep and personal discipleship process well it really is and that that really is the contrast you've 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 um focused in on that really well that uh what we do best what christians do best what churches do best is make disciples of jesus that's what he called us to do we can read in, in Paul's letter to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 2 that, hey, entrust these to faithful men, which will also, you know, uh, uh, pr- produce in others. And there's there's you see that in 2 Timothy 2, 2, and I didn't quote that perfectly, but uh, there's four generations of Jesus followers there that are described in that one verse. And uh, what what Paul received, he passed on, and those folks would pass on to others. And so that really is the model um, I think it's also important that um, if if Christians, if if the role of Christians, the everyday Jesus follower, if our main role is to invite people to an event on Sunday, if that's the if we see that as our primary ministry, and we should, by the way, invite people to church with us, people still respond to a genuine invitation to come to church. So we should do that. But if that is the if, if that's the crux or the, the foundation of our gospel ministry, uh, we have really missed the point. And inviting people to our church is a wonderful thing, but that is um, not what um, Jesus is describing as he says, go make disciples of all the nations and uh, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things. And and then he promised his presence with us. So uh, he, he didn't promise his his presence with us so that we would be program administrators or event planners or promoters. Um, we, we, he, he promises his presence with us uh, because he is the, he is the one who is at work in lives to transform them. And so I think as churches and as Christians understand that, Hey, we, we've been called to exactly what you've said. We've, we've been called to, 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 to speak the gospel uh, into the lives of others to invite others to follow Jesus with us as we follow him around the table and the vocations that we have at the ball fields and as we raise our kids together and and um, those very common places of life that we're inviting people to follow Jesus with us. So when that is, when we focus on the best things that we can do and the, um, the thing that God has called us to do, then um, I think we'll see... Uh, rather than people just coming to a building, we'll see disciples multiplied, not only in our church setting, but around the world. If you're listening right now, I want you just to just to pause and think for a moment, who is discipling me and who am I in turn discipling? Um, who is helping to make me a disciple in the spirit of Christ in, in ways that honor him? And, and who am I discipling? Who has God entrusted to me at this 
um, point along not only my journey of discipleship, but theirs as well. We're going to continue our conversation with Daryl Crouch here in just a moment. Um, and we're going to actually just talk about like, how, how do we simplify? If, if we've gotten to a place where we've made, um, we've made the things of the church so complex that we can't even keep up with our own church calendar, let alone, let alone turn, um, in compassion, um, with clarity to those in the world, then what do we need to do? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with our friend and Pastor Daryl Crouch. You can find him at everyoneswilson.org. Um, Daryl, when we think about the complexity that often, um, well, we've often created in the life of the church, uh, and and then we look at like the calendar of the church and we're wondering even how we're going to fill all of those spaces and um, pastoring then turns into more of an exercise of um, satisfying competing expectations and even competing with other churches for people and on and on and on and on versus, you know, Christ calling um, to the church that we would be the ones that would go and make disciples, that that would be who we are and what we would do. How do we get from where, how do we stop doing what we're doing and start doing what we're called to do? Great question. And I think it does begin with a question. Are we doing what the Bible tells us churches do? And are we accomplishing the mission that we say we are here to accomplish? Most churches today have a mission statement. It may be on the wall. It may be in the uh, handout on a Sunday, maybe on the graphic. Um, but the question is, is, is that happening? Are we making disciples of Jesus who live for the kingdom? Are we, are we engaging people and uh, helping people to engage in the gospel mission in a personal way, in a daily way. Uh, are we edifying the saints? Are, are we doing those things? And uh, w- uh, certainly metrics don't say everything. And so I'm not suggesting that simply measuring numbers and or, you know, um, accounting for numbers and how many people are doing this and that says everything. But we just have to ask ourselves, are we accomplishing the mission that we say we're here to accomplish. So I think it it begins with some some very important questions uh, that uh, the pastor and staff, uh, elders, uh, deacons, uh, those that are uh, responsible uh, people of influence in the church can just get in the room and say, "Hey, uh, is the, are are we doing this?" And I also think that church members um, can go a long way in encouraging their pastor to um to move in in this direction not in a in a naggy way but just i think a lot of pastors want to simplify i think um many those that are in leadership would would like to 
to clear the calendar a little bit and focus on the things that are most important, but maybe feel some external pressure. And so I think for um, fellow church members to to relieve the pressure valve a little bit from time to time and and let them know it's okay. Hey, we don't have to do that. I know we've done it for the last 30 years, but we mm-hmm. we don't have to do that event this year. We we don't we we don't have to do we don't have to crowd the calendar. That's not the measure of of spirituality or faithfulness to Jesus. And so I think asking questions, I think creating a culture that says, you know, we are um, committed to our mission. And so we're going to be open-handed about the things on our calendar, the the events that we have. Um, I'll be quick, but the Tennessee uh, State Fair, that's the Wilson County, actually, Wilson County, Tennessee State Fair, it, it, it'll come next uh, here, here later this summer. It's one of the biggest county fairs in the country, one of the biggest state fairs now. It became the state fair a few years ago. And um, the way that they get Which a lot just of means people we're lazy. Is, that just means we're lazy as a state that we're just letting the county, Wilson County, take over. The well, fair. yeah, there, there may be a lot of dynamics there that, that um, <laughs> you may not want to get into. But uh, it's probably because Wilson County is the best county in the state, I think. But uh, other than that, um, it, it's grown like crazy because of so many attractions. And mm-hmm. um, and we all love the attractions and the fried Oreos. I mean, so the, there's that. But uh, I think sometimes we uh, feel pressure every year to do better than we did last year. So so if we had an event as a church this year that had 100 people, then next year it has to have 150 people or else. It, so every year the, the, the statistics push us to do it even bigger and better. And so we've got to be very diligent about saying, no, we're not the state fair. We're not the county fair. It's not about attraction, how many attractions we have. It, it's really about uh, how we're making disciples. And so I think we have to pivot our thinking as a church to say, listen, we we can do a lot of fun things. We've got money and we've got a facility and we've got good people. But, but what is it God's called us to do? So I just think having that conversation and then being willing to say, you know, we don't have to have that attraction this time. This is mm-hmm. not what we do best. And we really don't have the money because basically you're paying a lot of very good people, a lot of good money, who people that went to seminary to to run carnival rides for you. And uh, that's probably not the best steward of, of, of money either in time. So I think some of those conversations can be had as we uh, lovingly um, and graciously Celebrate the past, but look to the future uh, and what God has really called us to do. All right. And on that, just last point um, this summer, just so that everybody is aware, you cannot set up a dunk tank at like a fair and then count those as baptisms. That's it. That's just my one note this morning. I don't, on I don't know why. I don't know why you think you, you have the right to say that. I think um, I think that's very, there's nothing wrong with that, Carmen. So you, narrow of me. I know. So narrow. Yeah. Well, there you go, Daryl. My idea for the day, probably not theologically appropriate. <clears throat> Daryl, as always, thank you so much. Um, what a blessing. It's just so You're much fun. You're doing a to great job. Thank Thanks you. So much. I could run the dunk booth. I could run the dunk booth at the fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, could do that. I t- totally we would count that. them all. Absolutely. Exactly.
Hey, we love you, man. That's Daryl Crouch. You. you ought to find Thanks. him at everyoneswilson.org. Carmen is not recommending baptisms via dunk tank. That is not happening. More next here on Warnings with Carmen. All right, I'm going to lift up some um, hashtag pray the news here momentarily. Uh, I'm Carmen LeBurge, and you're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and we seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear on all that is going on in the world. And sometimes that means we have to turn our attention from the things, you know, close at hand, the things right in front of our nose, and survey what's happening around the world because God cares as intimately and desperately for people in Ukraine and Sudan and Haiti and on and on and on, um, as he cares about um, you and I right now and where we are and what's happening in our hearts and minds and lives. So today, as the Lord um, reminds you to do so, let's lift up in prayer the people of Ukraine. Um, We shared yesterday that a major dam um, had exploded, and, and we talked about uh, the reality that as that water rushed downstream, there were hundreds of villages um, that would be in the wake of that rapidly moving, rising water. Um, and if you were to watch the videos, people escaped from communities across the region, um, and many did not. And so um, we want to be lifting up um, the, the, the those who have been evacuated, those who still are desperately hoping that they will be evacuated, um, and frankly, the mud, um, the reality of now a, uh, a a part of your country just covered with mud. Um, so let's be, we'll be praying today on that front. Um, violence in Sudan has spread to the Darfur region um, at hundreds of people have been killed, clinics and shops have been destroyed, and desperation is is spreading. And so um, I know that you and I are facing challenges today. Um, we, we face concerns in our own bodies and in our own marriages and in our own families and in our own communities and our cities and our state and our nation. Um, there are precious people around the world facing very desperate days as well. And so let's be mindful of God's perspective on each one and everyone, everywhere, even as we trust God to be tending to the deepest um, concerns that we have and things that we're facing right now. God is that big and God is that good. And so let's um, bear up these, uh, these people in these situations that you know, let's not just let them scroll across the you know news chiron at the bottom of the screen. Um, let's let's actually hold them up before God, who is able to intervene. Next up, Mark Terman is going to join us. We are actually going to talk about how we as Christians can think about, talk about, um, and respond to the reality of Pride Month. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Mark Sherman is joining us now. He's the executive director of the Denison Forum. If you're not subscribed, um, at least for the daily article at denisonforum.org, 
Um, yeah, you should be. I am. I read it uh, every day or listen to it because you've got both of those options at Denison Forum. Mark, good morning and welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Thank you. It's great to be on with you today. It is June the 7th, and I, um, I know that you are aware, <clears throat> as is everyone else who is awake, um, that this is regarded as Pride Month in the United States of America. I have uh, highlighted uh, on a couple of occasions the efforts of those to make this Fidelity Month. Um, I like those efforts. I appreciate those efforts. Um, let's talk about Pride Month in terms of how we respond as Christians. Yeah, so it's an important topic and something that has really become more uh, unavoidable for us. It seems like, I know in my community, it just seems like uh, the media and uh, the internet, everything, we just decided this this year that we were going to just really expand and focus on uh, just all issues around LGBTQ and um, and obviously in the culture, affirming that in uh, the strongest ways, even though, as Dr. Dennison notes in a recent article, only about 7.2% of our country uh, actually identify with one of these letters, LGBTQ, uh, trans, that all those types of things. But they are, as some people say, punching above their weight in terms of attention and media coverage and the affirmation that they're receiving and conversely, those who disagree are receiving uh, more than their fair share, I think, of criticism, uh, being stigmatized, uh, in some ways even moving toward what looks like efforts to criminalize uh, biblical belief, biblical morality. Um, and it's, it's something that the, just the average Christian, you know, getting up, taking care of their family, going to work, is now confronted with on a pretty significant and profound way and uh, even in their families. Uh, most families are having to contend with this in one way or another, and so we need to respond in a way that is honorable to Christ and that is loving toward people. When we talk about, um, you know, a percentage of the population and and the amount of attention or concern we might direct in um, toward, you know, I think that when we use the term minority, like, that is— that is um, what has trained us in this direction, I, I think. Um, and so we do have a concern for those who are marginalized and because of their numbers, um, you know, we, we might intentionally elevate the minority voice or the minority concern. In this particular situation, it's not that the minority is desiring um, that we all have equal concern for them as we do for everyone. It's an elevation of their concerns and an, an insistence that their concerns become our concerns, that that the minority actually co-opt the majority. I, I mean, I think that, I mean, I don't, I don't respond to the same way at a feelings level. I mean, I mean, I think it's like 2% of the American population is Jewish. And I am concerned about anti-Semitism deeply. I'm not, I'm not being asked to become Jewish, um, even as I advocate for the concerns of people of a different faith than my own. Um, do, do you see what I'm getting at, Mark? Yeah, I think uh, that's a good, good illustration of what uh, we see in comparison between this and the LGBT community. Um, 
the 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 wonder of where we live is that we live in a country that is uh, based on the idea of majority rule with minority rights. But minority mm-hmm. rights do not mean that uh, the majority must succumb to what you know any particular minority uh, is advocating for. Every person as our Constitution and as the Bible affirms, every person is valuable in the eyes of God. Every person is to be treated with honor, with respect, with value, with love. Uh, but that does not mean that uh, any any one person or any one minority should have their way of believing and living to be affirmed and required of everyone else. And that seems to be the idea that has grown up. Critical theory, uh, the Marxist ideas of critical theory have really affirmed this. Uh, the, the problem with critical theory is not uh, the majority rules and, and the minorities have their rights protected, but rather uh, the idea in critical theory is, is that the majority, no matter who the majority is, that, that's the thing about critical theory we have to understand, no matter who the majority is, they got there by oppressing one or more minorities, and therefore those minorities need to be empowered to essentially take over whatever majority there is. And it's this constantly evolving um, uh, environment of conflict and of one group rising up to overcome the other. Uh, I just don't think that's biblical. I don't think it's it has anything but a bleak future if that's the way you see society and culture, if that's the way you think people ought to respond to each other. The Bible instead calls for recognizing the value of all people and of all groups but that doesn't necessarily mean that they all need to be celebrated. And certainly it doesn't mean that other people who have biblical beliefs or other beliefs need to uh, embrace them and are required to adopt their way of thinking and believing. Um, When we say that something is biblical or not biblical, I'm always reminded, uh, Mark, that the Bible has all kinds of examples for us. And, um, I feel like the cycle that we're currently in is reflective of the cycles experienced in the days of the judges. Um, and so when we when we imagine that the view of every individual um, where everyone does what is right in their own eyes, like expressive individualism, uh, when we allow for that at a societal level, we end up in the cycle experienced by people during the days of the judges. And if you haven't read the book of Judges recently, um, that would, uh, it's quite, I mean, I would say it's depressing, although God's redemptive um, cyclic uh, intervention is important as well. I mean, God always raises up a deliverer or a judge and the people do repent and they turn back to God, but then they fall back into this what for them was the expressive individualism of their day where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So um, I just lift that up for those who are listening and say to themselves, well, I have a biblical, I have a biblical hook uh, upon which to hang what is happening in the culture today. It's just not the biblical ideal. And so um, I think that when you hear Mark and I refer to biblical worldview or Christian worldview, redemptive worldview, gospel worldview, we're talking about those um in terms of the ideal, not that in the Bible you can also find examples of 
sin and death and human destruction and depravity um, and everything else. So Mark Terman and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Do you have particular questions about processing through, responding to, living in the midst of and through and being a witness in Pride Month? You can always text me, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. When Jesus teaches us to pray that God would forgive us as we forgive others, what does he mean? What does our forgiveness look like? And how ready are we to forgive? Or how fast are we to forgive? How many times do we forgive the same person for the same offense against us? Living out the life of forgiveness can only be done if we stand as forgiven people before the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, so far has God removed your transgressions from you. That's grace. That's great. And God intends that we would extend to others a measure of what we have received. So how has God forgiven you? How often? How many times for the same offense? Then who are you to hold someone else's sin against them when God in Christ doesn't hold our sins against us? Unforgiven and unforgiveness are literally no way to live. So join the forgiveness flow today. Ask God to forgive you and forgive others as you have been forgiven by grace. Praying together at MyFaithRadio.com. Mark Terman is with us from the Denison Forum. You can check out what's going on at DenisonForum.org. Um, all right, uh, let's see. We got um, friends here on the text line. Um, I, I thought about putting this, let's see. Uh, oh, the uh, rainbows, like, right? So rainbow images, lots of conversations and questions about, like, rainbow images, redeeming the rainbow, wearing T-shirts and hats or putting on social media. Like, you know, um, does it feel like outreach? Does it feel like, you know, me being sure that people know what the rainbow is really about or it has that now become offensive that I would that I would speak the truth in this way this is a good question it is and uh it's something that's challenging I, I had a friend of mine go down this road just uh, two days ago and uh we're interested to see how this goes because he he did exactly what you're talking about on social media we had a thunderstorm in our area a couple of days ago. Thunderstorm passed. The rainbow came out. He took a picture from his house, posted it on a social media account, and then mm. made a comment. Instead of just simply listing scripture as a reference to God's promise uh, not to flood the earth again, he didn't use the scripture. He didn't use a scripture reference. He just simply said, not about pride. It's about creation. Mm. And I... I not sure how that's going to play with the people who follow him on social media. I might have been a little bit uh, happier if he had just simply quoted the, the or referenced the biblical verse. Um, but this is a classic example, Carmen, of where our culture co-ops something that is biblical, something that is from the, the hand and heart of God, and then turns it, twists it, warps it in a way that turns it completely against what uh, the original idea, the original image was all about. And we see that happening so often. And as Christians, we easily get demoralized. And, and I understand, I resonate with those people who, who just want to run away and live in a, 
you know, a Christian commune or a Christian community uh, where biblical values are uh, the understanding and and practice and belief. I understand that desire. There's some aspects of that that are probably wise when it comes to protecting our children, particularly there is kind of that circle the wagons and and pull away from the culture. We understand that. We also understand that some people get really frustrated, they get really panicked, they get scared, and they try to seize the levers of society uh, to fight back. As uh, Dr. Dennison wrote recently, fight fire with fire. The only problem with that is, is that the church does not have a good history when it tries to gain the the power levers of society, whether the, that was in monarchies of the past or even in uh, present political environments that we have access to, when we start pursuing the world's type of power or cultural power, we often uh, lose the connection and the grounding that we need within God's plan of serving the culture, serving people, sacrificing if necessary, and even suffering because of what we believe. And uh, so we have to find a better way. And that better way is to live and then to speak, to show and tell uh, the word and love of God in every opportunity that we can, social media, individual conversations, um, how we love all people and how we want God's best for them. And we believe that God's best is revealed in the person of Jesus and in the word of God. Turning to the Word of God, Mark, let's spend a minute actually establishing ourselves in what the Bible says about pride, um, because I think that having having our minds tuned to what God has said about pride is helpful. Um, and so as I read Galatians um, chapter 6, 1 to 10, I, I just want you to, to be recognizing what God says about pride and allow this to equip you um, as a disciple in the world today. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves, alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all things um, with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, Um, For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Mark, this is one of the few places where pride is actually positively framed in Scripture, and so that's why I chose this one. There are a whole list of Scriptures where pride is is regarded as not something that uh, God's people want to be engaged in. Oh, absolutely. There's a, a thread all the way through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation where God says he opposes those who are proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble is, or humility is at the core of what uh, an authentic and living faith in Christ is all about. But I love this passage that you read, the idea that 
we can we can be proud of ourselves in a healthy way, a good way, when we know that we are relating to God in humble dependence and trust and faith, and that we're allowing him to reshape our lives into the image of Christ so that we might both honor him, as the Bible says in so many places, and and that we might also love the way he is loving us, um, that we are to evaluate ourselves, that passage says, and that we are to look around, find a ways that we can help others who have uh, wandered away from the plan of God and the, and the path of God. But we always do that knowing that those tendencies are in us as well. In fact, we've been guilty, and we have hopefully confessed and repented and that we're already always vulnerable to that, but that we are going to look out for each other, and we're going to seek what is God's best for each other, even as we try to keep ourselves in a position of humility before God, and humility that says, God, every day, where is it that I need to realign my thinking, my words, my actions to what you want for my life, so that I can be that salt and light that you want me to be to others? I moved um I moved to be reminded constantly that folks who are held captive by the enemy like they're literally prisoners of war and my feeling toward a prisoner of war is not that I would be angry with them it's not that I would seek to humiliate them it's that I would seek to liberate them and so um I think that our perspective on people and how precious they are and how deeply deluded um, some are is is important in all of this. And so I don't want to be prideful in, in my own view of things. Um, and so I just think that the conversation about pride is a healthy one for us to continually have. And thank you for reminding us of this thread throughout Scripture where, you know, God literally opposes the proud and pride literally paves the way to the fall. Like, I, these are important clarifications for us as Christians in the culture today. Mark, as always, it's um, it's wonderful to talk with you. Thanks, Carmen. It's been a a real pleasure, and I just thank you for the opportunity. Hope you have a great day. You too. For all kinds of really good equipping on these conversations and lots of other conversations happening in the culture today that we as Christians need to be prepared for, check out what's happening at denisonforum.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Um, yeah, just because your pastor says it, I know this is going for some people listening right now, they're going to be like, what? Um, so this is in relationship to somebody texting in, um, that their pastor has recommended they check out a particular, uh, organization and website and maybe support it. Um, yeah, you, all you have to do is go to the about section, um, to see whether or not the organization is, um, advancing the cause of Christ and biblically grounded, or if it is advancing some other cause and, in the case of the human rights com- uh, campaign, I'll just come right out and say it exists for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to um, advance the LGBTQAI concern. They are designed and organized and raising money and advocating on Capitol Hill for the passage of something called the Equality Act, which is not about equality. It just isn't. Um, it is about platforming and elevating LGBTQ SOGI. Um, concerns above everything else, um, even to the detriment of of other uh, of other rights. So, um, yeah. 
be discerning. We got another hour up. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.